and welcome to another episode of Forum Crashers, brought to you by Miss and Mystics. I am Steve Messenger, your host, and I am here with Gerald Waldrop. Hail and well met. Welcome to another episode. We are an internet advice show for folks that were seeking advice, not in particular from an internet advice show run on a podcast. Uh, they were on Reddit, and <laughs> I woke up bright and early this morning, bright and early. I would like to say I had coffee in hand, but it was probably a beer. <laughs> And uh, I sought out the juiciest questions, Gerald. Oh, juicy. So juicy. So juicy. <laughs> nice. Uh, to bring to you, our listeners, who uh, really don't have a dog in the fight. <laughs> unless you happen to have the exact same question. Or if you email one on over to us. That's right. At <laughs> missandmystics at gmail.com. Send them over there. Hit us up on Facebook at Miss and Mystics. And everything, of course, is available. And that's at spelled out, right? Miss and... Myths and A N D. Yeah, no ampersand. I think that does something to HTML code if you type in the ampersand. ampersand. Uh, so don't don't do that. <laughs> um, but friends, uh, thanks for downloading Advanced Options over on the DMs Guild. Yeah, uh, Gerald, how's things going over there with that? They've been going well. I I mean, there's several hundred downloads now, and uh, it's uh, it's on sale. Uh, it's probably by the time this episode is airing, it's probably going to be uh, going to the format of individual classes that you can buy for cheaper, um, probably like a, a dollar per per class, and then I'll I'll have a volume up um, eventually with everything uh, there together uh, for like a discounted price if you want all of them together. Uh, check it out. So if you're if you're into playing a certain kind of class and you want to change things up, great way to spice up your role play life. Yeah, yes. if you like uh, character customization and you don't want the same thing as, as every other fighter, fighter, battle master, or every other paladin that you've seen played, this uh, really lends itself well to multi-classing, uh, but also uh, being able to dip into like a cleric that has more than more than one domain because their their god is over one more than one domain, um, or you want to splash in some of uh, some beast master with your ranger who uh, who's also a hunter. Um, it gives you all those sorts of options. I said spice up your role play life. Oh, your role play life. And well, you know, role play <laughs> mechanics. <laughs> there there um, are some uh, some sponsors out there that have yet to contact us. If you want to talk about <laughs> spicing up your role play life, hit us up at missandmystics at gmail.com. And uh, while you're busy checking stuff out online, uh, swing on over to steammessenger.art uh, if you want to get your character drawn. Artwork is featured in advanced options, and I'd be more than happy to draw your character for you. So, uh, friends, we do seek out people who are asking questions, uh, much like... Much like someone who has an agenda at a party, right? Someone who wants to talk about something that yeah. they want to talk about. And then we force ourselves into that conversation uh, <laughs> remotely. <laughs> and I have a series of questions today. And these, uh-huh. uh, hopefully we can help some folks out. Uh, this one is, my name is 23456. <laughs> um, not a throwaway <laughs> account. Uh, <laughs> they have a situation that their players have entered into a forest to hide from the local authorities with a few prisoners. I ended the session there, and we are going to pick up there next week. Want some ideas as to, you know, what kind of shenanigans you can get into with a bunch of, you know, random prisoners. So they they broke some prisoners out and escaped into the forest. Yep. Uh, well, let's, let's just say that they had one key target that they were supposed to break free. But a handful of other prisoners helped them escape. 
maybe blocked some guards, you know, okay. broke open a door for them. Uh, but now they've got a handful of other prisoners out there, and they are now out in the woods. Hmm. All right. So what's in the woods? Um, certainly, I imagine prisoners, trees, fresh out of the cell, are lots not, of trees are not prepared. <laughs> There's lots of trees in the woods. Not prepared for well, you know, fighting bears or Tyrannosaurus rexes, depending on what sort of campaign you're yes. <laughs> you're, you're running. Try to make it somewhat uh, challenge rating appropriate for the level of the party, uh, but been having to save the prisoners now once again. Uh, maybe they didn't uh, they didn't think through where they were going, who are they escaping, and now they're in even greater danger that they're in the woods. Also, um, perhaps one of these prisoners had uh, someone who didn't make it in the escape. Maybe not everyone made it out. They have only some prisoners. Uh, maybe they weren't aware. Uh, that you know, one of the prisoners, um, brother, sister, child, lover, someone—not at all at the same time—but you know, one of those. <laughs> oh, hopefully, not all. A MacGuffin, if you will, uh, uh, is was caught, and maybe the local authorities are are even somewhat corrupt, and they're trying to use this person, maybe even uh, doing something um, akin to threatening torture or or doing it depending on how sensitive your game group is, I suppose, uh, to that sort of thing. Um, but th- there's reasons that they might want to take on these these authorities or try to make a, another break attempt because there are consequences uh, for that action. So are you saying that this person would be, re- and you could go either way, is related to the target they were trying to free or to one of the random prisoners that they had freed? Well, the more important you can make the NPC, probably the better, Um, because that's going to have more clout, more weight with with them wanting to do something for them. Uh, I I really like this idea the more I think about it. So (laughs) typically prisoners are wearing some kind of bright color, so that way they're easily identified. Yeah, You're out in the woods, and let's say it's, it's just inevitable if... You could even spell it out as a DM. Like, if you guys do not change your clothes up uh you are gonna get spotted even if you like clear the woods and you make your way out of there like the first time someone sees you they're gonna know you're a prisoner let's just say you happen to stumble across a cabin in the woods and there's a family of four that live there and one of the prisoners decides that oh they have clothes yeah and they're in prison they were in prison for a reason Mm -hmm. these aren't good guys no no um, you could have all kinds of moral dilemmas there where it's like, okay, are you going to go negotiate with this family? Um, are you, are you going to go do something horrible? Are you going to try to steal some of their clothes? Uh, what's that going to look like? Yeah, they could even, they could even try to attempt to, uh, steal weapons from the party and try to like hold them hostage. Like, uh, oh, we broke you out of prison and we wake up to being tied up by the prisoners. Yeah. And uh, now we're at their mercy. Yeah. Um, then you have the whole. Th- let's say you figure out all that stuff. You're 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 on the woods, and now you're getting to that point where it's like you're getting back to the quest. Okay. And you still have the fact that you have some prisoners here that have broken free that are criminals. <laughs> what do you do with them? 
I mean, as a player, they uh, they uh, go into the dungeon first to check for traps. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you go down there? We'll let you have first claim on the loot. Go ahead and go in. <laughs> Snap! Yep, uh, you might want to go next. <laughs> um, yeah, it really depends on the the prisoners. Um, are the I'm 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 guessing that they didn't break them out just because they wanted to play a prank on the town. Um, or, or that uh, <laughs> we got these <laughs> hardened criminals out of jail, or uh, yeah. or that they are hardened criminals that, that they busted them out for a particular reason. Um, getting them back to another safe town, I mean, will probably be a, a necessary side quest unless the, <laughs> unless the prisoners are like, no, we're good with going along to try to get the epic relic and face the dragon, uh, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> as, uh, as one is wont to do in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking Con Air, right? I'm thinking back yeah. to like Nicolas Cage with with the the whole crew from every other movie those guys did back in the day. Yeah. So they did like uh, what was it? The Rock. The Rock. Sean um, Connery. Yeah. A bunch <laughs> of those guys went on to do uh, what was it? Armageddon. Like a bunch of oh, them yeah. on that, right? Um, but I think to Con Air, where. You had one guy that was trying to do the right thing and everybody else that was it, kind of screwing things up. Um, no. I think there's a, a, a lot to run with here. Um, the challenge is, as a, as a DM, I've heard some scrutiny over certain podcasts. Not ours. Oh. A, another very popular podcast that uh, I, I haven't listened to recently, but uh, apparently they have introduced way too many NPCs into the game. Oh. Um, oh it could be kind of difficult if you're going to do this uh, to have too many people that are going to become sort of a, uh, I guess a regular fixture for a while. Oh yeah. Um, but then how do you dispatch them? Um, well, that's, that's a good point. So I was a little worried about uh, when I ran out of the abyss because you start off in a prison in a drought prison um, with it's like eight or 10 other NPCs. Mm. Um, and you have to decide what you're going to do when you, when you break out. Right. Um, so there's some time, like it starts off with some role play with all these different personalities of these NPCs that are in, in this, uh, drow prison with them. And my party actually decided that they, uh, they were going to go ahead and, uh, let all of them out with them, rescue them all together, even saving the, uh, blunt orc. The uh, aggressive, arrogant, ignorant uh, orc they they ended up saving as well. So I I actually went into uh, each of the descriptions and fleshed out their like personalities and and backgrounds. Um, The party really actually ended up enjoying that. Don't know how well that'd do if we were trying to podcast, but uh, they liked interacting with these different personalities. And it actually then it meant something when they got into combat because they didn't want to lose them. Right. Uh, especially, you know, below level six, seven. And they think they were level three or four at the time. Um, death is pretty permanent um, yeah. at that, at that level. Uh, so they were worried about any of their newfound friends dying. And it meant something when they did, when they lost someone or someone died. Yeah. I think back to prison break. I mean, that first season, like, there were people that you're rooting for other people that you're like, man, if that dude like eats a lunchroom tray to the face, like <laughs> that would be pretty neat. Like, <laughs> uh, I think to your point, come up with a few different personalities, 
the obvious guy that you want to root for that has some kind of flaw. Yeah. You know, maybe he murdered someone he wasn't supposed to, and obviously you shouldn't murder. Um, <laughs> but, Public uh, announcement. <laughs> yes, your PSA of the day. Uh, brought to you by G.I. Joe. Um, <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Um, but you can have a lot of tense moments. Like, this could be, if you're playing, like, a, if you're the kind of group that plays for four or five hours on a Saturday, mm-hmm. um, like, you can have those kind of moments where, like, okay, who's going to stay up to keep watch? Yeah. Then maybe have one of the prisoners sneak off while it's dark or any number of things. Yeah, maybe yeah. the prisoners sneak back into town and start causing mayhem once again. No. Uh, or uh, that cabin that we just talked about. Like, if you guys decide that you're not going to go, conf- you know, uh, address those people and get their clothes, you wake up and the dude's got a bunch of clothes. Huh. Yeah. Mm. That, With a that, little bit of blood on them. Yeah. Uh, could add some drama. Um, the other one would be like, if you want to go with more of the survival aspect, let's say that you're out in the woods for a while and, uh, you're, you're running low on food and you're running to issues where you're going to have like fatigue and that kind yeah. of stuff. Like who's going to eat yeah, who's feeding all these people. Yeah. Now y- your party might be pretty level headed, but the, the one big guy, uh, the brawler as it were, uh, who now has a giant machete thinks that he needs the most food. And he should have the lion's share of whatever he just found. Like, I think there's some really cool game mechanics here. Yeah, dance story elements that'll that'll play in absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so somehow I gotta work that into some mystics. <laughs> Prison break. Prison break. Brought to you by Prison Mystics. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, T. Crumpins. I like that name, <laughs> T. Crumpins. <coughs> Has a question here. Uh, it says, because I generally don't trust people, I keep expecting players to try and bamboozle me with interactions or mechanics. Huh. Ooh, what do I do? Uh, because I don't trust people. Hmm. I, I don't know. See a counselor about your trust issues, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Start there. Find out where it all started. Yeah. It was, what happened to you, man? It's probably back in grade school, out on the playground. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude, there was all kinds of heinous shit that happened back in school. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, uh, we would do this thing where one group would have recess first, the other would have lunch, and then you'd switch, which nothing says, like, let's enjoy lunch more. Like, let's go get hot and sweaty oh. out on the playground. And then go eat some lunch. And then go sit down and drink a big thing of milk. <laughs> um, but the entire time you were doing that, if you had a bag lunch, like, you had to just set it there and hope that uh, no one stole your lunch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you didn't have the lockers back well, it was in particular in junior high, I remember. Like, uh, we, we had, uh, instead of recess, it was like, you they just put us in the gym. And yeah. you could play basketball or do homework or whatever. And it, it was notorious. Um, I don't know if kids are allowed to even drink pop anymore, like at school. <laughs> like No idea. Couldn't tell you. But, uh, like, once a week, we were allowed to have, like, pop in our lunch. So, <laughs> I had an orange Minute made, Not a sponsor. And... <laughs> That was like it was unique. No one else was drinking orange minute maids. And I look over, someone's drinking orange minute maid. Son of a <laughs> I go and I look at my bag of, of lunch food and there's no orange minute maid. First time in his life, Steve rolled initiative. And I was ready <laughs> to throw down. <laughs> and I was like, Yo dude, where'd you get the minute maid? He was like, Oh, I bought it off so and so. I said, Oh yeah? I said, Where'd he get it from? He said, I don't know. 
I said, well, you better find out. And actually, that's where the story got less cool because I didn't say that. I was just pissed off. Um, I Things very, I wish I would have done. <laughs> wish I would have just, yeah. Um, so uh, I guess there there is a, a, when you're DMing a group of people that you get to know how they play, and let's say they do some metagaming, or uh, in this particular case, the guy goes on to say, um, there's some things that he's not familiar with. Like we were just talking polymorph, yeah. Um, from uh from last week, uh, like I couldn't remember if that was a concentration spell or not. Like if you're in the middle right. of the game, uh, in his the the lengthy paragraph that the guy wrote, he's like, they will just tell him, oh yeah, no, it doesn't use concentration. Hmm. So there's some reasons. All right. Well, get familiar with what your characters can do. Um. So. It's probably fair to to ask your players what what you can expect from them. Um, like the DM in, in one game uh, asks us what we're taking when we level up. So mm-hmm. you make sure he has an understanding of what our characters are going to be able to do. And that's fair. A DM should have that, have a decent understanding so he knows how to appropriately challenge a party. Um, so to have, have a sit down, you know, maybe a pre, pre-session sort of uh, group discussion where you can ask what sort of things can you do? And then if something seems out of, out of line, then ask about like where'd that come from or how are you doing that? Um, if, if you're not sure about the, the rules at, you know, talk with your players about, you know, where they got their, their powers their from preconceived and notions yeah. that they can do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> Gerald, there's a reason why I asked this question here. I want to talk about early on in Mystic Mystics where y'all decided you're going to use the enlarge and reduce spell <laughs> to make a giant bomb. Um, and why I have trust issues with all of you. Um, because the way that you wanted that mechanic to work, <laughs> it's not at all. Oh, no. no. I, I thought you knew that and you just went with it. I did. Uh. Because <laughs> you and Matt were like, Steve, come on. This is I, feel, I feel like that was more Matt. I was joking. <laughs> no, you were you were fueling, fueling uh, that, uh, yeah. that, that monster. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. But that was, I knew that was completely outside of the rules, but for some, that was just funny as hell. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. Um, but there, there's going to be plenty of times where if your players don't really know how the mechanics work, and if you don't know how the mechanics work, it's almost like those players smell blood in the water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they know yeah. that you don't know. Like, I try to be, I've tried to be good about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's, like, like we've said many times, like, there's so many things to know with the game, especially when you start talking yeah. spells. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's the one time, I think, during the game where I will stop and say, what specifically does that spell say? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the other mechanics, it's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Do a deck save or something. Right. Right. But spells, yeah. Well, they all, I mean, they're all, it's magic. They they all do their own unique thing that has a specific effect outside of what the, the rules would normally say or, or what you'd normally be able to do. So that's, yeah, it's perfectly understandable for for you as a DM to say, like, how exactly is it worded that that, that, that works? Especially if it seems like it's way too good. Yeah. Um, if it seems way out there, ask the question. I'm glad you agree with me because when we looked up enlarge and reduce that day, I'm not done with this. Um, <laughs> when we looked it up that day, you're like, yeah, 
yeah, of course the bomb would enlarge or stay enlarged. And it's like, that's not, that's not how that works. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I remember laughing a lot at the time. I, I, I was uh, rolling my eyes as I was laughing because I'm like, this is some bullshit. I thought at any point you were just going to be like, no. I could yeah, but I was kind of glad you went with it. <laughs> I still ended up railroading my ending into it, which was uh, <laughs> y'all are unconscious and Mara walks in. It was actually supposed to happen down in the uh, down in the the mines. Oh, but I went alone. But the, but then you like jumped on your horse and rode backwards, swinging your sword as you left. <laughs> and I'm like, the hell is that? Yeah, what kind and of then, mounted combat expert are you? Yeah. And then you, then we reduced you to the size of a. Or did you reduce my horse? Yes. <laughs> I was doing everything I could. Here, so here, get okay. back here. So this is a lesson in story and railroading and everything else. Is that uh, it is really difficult sometimes as a DM. When you're making your own world and you're making your own campaign and you know that there's some open ends where it's like you just need a connector. You yeah. just need something that's going to fit so the next thing works. Yeah. And then you have a party that's a bunch of bastards that are like, <laughs> of course we can do all this ridiculous stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Don't trust anyone. <laughs> not even your own player characters. Well, especially not your PCs. I mean, so there are different levels of this, but um, it it can be fun as a player to like see how much you can do. Um, yeah. The fifth that has simplified rules, but it also opened up the gate to like the DM has to be more of an adjudicator about what, what goes and what doesn't right. like, well, it says this. So does that mean I can also do this with it? Right. Um, so generally um, the, the safe answer is no, <laughs> no. but uh, I'll remember the, the kind of the rule of cool. If it's not going to completely disrupt the game or it's not going to become a problem by allowing them to use like use it like that continually in the future, consider those two things and, and think, will this, I mean, will this make it fun? Because yeah. generally uh, players have fun when they're they're able to do cool stuff. So <laughs> just remember, so I, I decided you guys went and enlarged that bomb and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to enlarge. I'm glad we got to talk about this. It seems yes. like you needed to get it off your chest. Well, <laughs> the uh, I decided to just go absolutely ridiculous with it. Oh, yeah. And enlarge the enlarged bomb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the part that I still laugh at is when they were going to roll the bomb your way, and you're like, oh, like I could just casually roll someone's house <laughs> just house by pushing around. it over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I don't know, I, and it's really hard to tell, like from from the audience, if they're if they're along for the ride or not. Um, there's, there's plenty of people downloading, so apparently y'all are on board. So thank you. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, last question here before we take a break. Uh, it, this goes a little, kind of a little along the lines of what we're talking about, but this comes right. from blasting couches. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> huh. uh, yep. uh, talking, they needed advice on in-world punishment for metagaming. Players recently uh. entered a city that was under attack. The uh, city was rescued. Everyone was first uh, safe, but they saw a four-hire board on the side, and one of the player characters 
made a comment like, well, hey, if we just if we just go level up over here, do all these side quests, it's just like Skyrim, right? By the time we get back to the main quest, we'll be super powerful. Let's just do that. <laughs> so they uh, they want to come up with a punishment for that idea of treating their hallowed campaign like Skyrim. Oh, man. I mean, you know, what's wrong with Skyrim? That was a fun game. It was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, you got to bring it back to like the in-world consequences if they're talking about going to level up. Um, well, there's two things. One, you should probably have a conversation about about metagaming and the fact that the concept of levels don't exist within the world of, of D&D. Like, that's just an out-of-game expression of characters' capabilities. So characters shouldn't be talking about their level in game. It's not like an anime. My power level is 5,000. Yeah. yeah. That that doesn't or generally should not exist in any any game world. Um, that is completely immersion-breaking. It also shouldn't exist in Dragon Ball. <laughs> that <laughs> stuff got out of hand, man. He's like, yeah. level 9,000. Like, these uh, numbers mean nothing. Right. Other than it was larger than the last number. Exactly. This is effectively eBay. Yeah. Right? This, is an, <laughs> this is a bidding yeah. process on power. <laughs> this is power levels off the chart. Yeah. Wait, we just made a bigger chart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, so, to your point, um, when you're mixing what you know as a player with what the character's shouldn't have any bearing on yeah yeah that's metagaming um so right. maybe i can understand the importance in your world of having a four higher board you know some side yeah. quest and that sort of thing um maybe maybe put nothing on the board right now yeah that's or, a good step one or they think that they're going elsewhere but you you actually know how that side quote unquote side quest actually ties in to the main story yeah. and how it'll get pulled along that thread anyway. Um, but also, if if there's a main quest, like generally there should there could be a time element to it. You know, uh, we we talked earlier about the uh, or I think it was last episode now where there are kidnapped children you know you only have so much time to be able to do that um if they're if a villain has a nefarious plot that they're trying to stop as the main campaign well yeah it's they're not just going to put their plans on hold to wait to see if they get stopped while the characters do something else um yeah they succeed in their plans because no one was there to stop them in time yeah there's several uh bullet points that i'll put while i'm sort of putting together uh, ideas for the campaign where it's like, if the party does this, then these things happen. If they do this, then these things happen. Yeah. And to your point, keeping that timeline moving because the enemies don't sleep um, and that sort of thing. What if, to your point, the uh, so the, the, the situation here is that the city was under attack, they saved everybody, everything was good. What if the four higher board is being used by the attacking force? Right oh. to booby trap anyone who is a witting opponent. So, uh, if you're an adventure that's strong enough to fight, you're probably best off picked off one by one. Nice. Uh, so uh, you might encounter another group that's out in the wilderness, 
that you think that you're going out there to kill a beast that's been rampaging through different towns or something. I don't know. Um, but then an assassin drops down on you, and you've got to engage with them, but that gives you an opportunity to find where all these bad guys are being headquartered out of. A bigger plot. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Plot threads. I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, if if uh, if you as a DM um, are trying to keep a story progressing and you then decide to offer side quests for the sake of adding side quests and have not put any thought into <clears throat> what this means for you... Um, this is like the Wiley Coyote scenario, <laughs> right? Uh, you've stra- strapped on your Acme uh, rocket, rocket boots, <laughs> and you're now heading straight into the side of a cliff. Um, but friends, uh, that is where we're going to cut to a break. Hello, and welcome to the break. If you enjoy adventuring with us, please help spread the word. The best way to help keep this free content coming is to like and subscribe on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. This helps us out tremendously, and it only takes a few clicks to do. When you have a minute, swing by mistandmystics.com and pick up some swag to help us continue to keep the program running. Send your questions to at mistandmystics on Twitter or Instagram or mistandmystics at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you back on the show. Hello and welcome back from the break. Hopefully you got yourself a delicious snack. Uh, I think at this point, uh, leftover Easter candy is probably pretty much done. Um, I, yeah. Um, what are you snacking on lately? Oh, man. I I keep getting Oreos. I don't buy them, but they're brought here. <laughs> uh, That's not a bad problem to have. It's ter- ter- terrible. I, I, uh, I'm bad at... Uh, limiting myself to just one or two they're so delicious yeah they they are very good i am planners peanuts not a sponsor very good i do enjoy me just some regular dry roast lightly salted just plain ass cocktail peanuts um that's been my that's been my jam lately um but i'm a fan of cashews those are really good they're just expensive yeah I don't know what they're doing with cashews these days, but I figure if you can grow that many peanuts, you should be able to grow that many cashews. Supply yeah. and demand should just equal out. Right. <laughs> Find a happy medium. Um, Hashtag our, cheaper cashews. Yeah. Yes. This is going to be our new platform for cheaper cashews. <laughs> uh, is this this program, we ask that you all get on board with it. Um, we have a few more questions here uh, before we wrap things up. Uh, friends, I've got a, a question here from Captain Katya. Uh, they have a player in the game who can pretty much single-handedly best any combat situation on their own. Wow. The rest <clears> of the party <throat> is there for the ride. Maybe they um, land a hit. Maybe they don't. Um, here's where the question kind of makes me wince a little bit. Uh, he says, I feel bad having to nerf them directly. Hmm. Nerfing them. Hmm. Ugh. I don't know. Uh, what are some good ways of balancing the game without upsetting them? <clears throat> First well, off, I think we can agree, nerfing the character should not be an option. Yeah, I generally, I mean, it, I have, uh, yeah, in my years of DMing, I've I've had to consider it, um, 
once once or twice maybe uh but ultimately it was like a kind of an interpretation or a combination of abilities that shouldn't have been working quite the way they were working yeah um and that that made a big difference uh it's uh, this has to come back again to understanding how your player uh character works like that D&D is gen- generally decently balanced. I mean, you're going to have some characters shine in different areas better than other characters. That, I mean, that's going to be inevitable. Right. Balance can't be perfect unless you want something very stagnant and ultimately boring. Um, so you need to understand why the character is able to perform so well. Does he give any information about the class that he's playing or anything like that? Because... Yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, they were a, I believe it was a like a dwarven fighter, and uh, they had they had done some some very good job of building their character. Just be okay. which, if you're a fighter, that's what you do, right? As sure, you, you get in there and you you tear stuff up. But I, I think part of the problem was um, they had received a a magical item that also kind of gave them some boosts. So it's mm. like, um, but I think even if he had taken that item away from what they were saying, like it was still like this guy would just absolutely dominate every fight. Well, yeah, I, I'm at 11th level fighters get a third attack for their attack action. Yeah. And that's gonna, that's gonna be noticeable. Um, I, it may be noticeable depending on, you know, even if you're fifth level, if it, if they're the only one that's getting, you know, two attacks per round, and then you have other non-melee classes that are per- conserving their their spells, um, do the other characters just not know how to play their characters as well? Is that why they're not shining through? Um, do they not? I mean, you could certainly give magic items that really play on the strength of the other, other characters as well. I mean, if they all have magic items, um, having them discover new powers that their that their item had that they, they didn't know previously that can enhance their abilities to put them all on par. Uh, and then you can fairly up the challenge rating that you're putting putting at the party and they all get to shine equally. Um, so really it's, if you don't want to nerf and it's generally, yeah, it's that's a disheartening, cringy sort of idea. Um, instead of nerfing one character, it's about making sure that they're all kind of on the same level. So buffing the other characters, I have done that. Um, I have given magic items and abilities that bring other characters that were just suffering and just lacking overall, brought them up to par. Let's delve into some dark stuff here. Yes. Let's get get fucking creepy. The power of the dark side. Let's say... You you have an encounter, and I just want to get your two cents on this. All right, and uh, you're down in some dungeon, right? And you're just with some some devil lord named yes. Despotter. Yes, <laughs> yes. And you have ham. Yep, lots of ham. And <laughs> you uh, you, he, it's a battle, but he ends up slaying this dude. And uh, there's an artifact that drops that is obviously part of the reason why uh, this this character had some power. Huh. Uh, this enemy that you just slain. Mm. Turns out it's cursed. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, that thing has to be cursed, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe maybe it's not like a demon lord. Maybe it's something that seems innocuous enough, right? Uh, mm. That it's There's a low suspicion that this item is cursed. Do you trick your character 
into getting them some kind of curse that's going to affect their ability to play the way that they've been playing? Or does that come across yeah. as a level 12 douchebag move? Uh, well, it's kind of a subtle in-game reason to do some, some nerfing. I would say another option would be to... Uh, man, maybe this magic item that they're using, I'm guessing it's a magic weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, it They find out that it has been consuming the souls of the victims mm. or even transferring the power of the souls to some sort of nefarious entity. Um, uh, so okay. they really have to question if they want to continue using it the same way they've been doing or maybe they still have it on hand if they really need it. Um, I like so, that. Not a direct nerf, but a in-game question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that the simple answer is usually the easiest here is that chances are that the encounters that you're building are playing to their strengths. Yeah. Um, where if you've got something that's a hit point sponge and this, mm-hmm. this guy gets to do two or three attacks and God forbid someone casts haste on him. Right. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, you know, the Tasmanian <laughs> devil just <laughs> yeah. spinning around and going yeah. nuts. Um, you know, maybe we need to get more spellcasters in there. Maybe we need to have some more flying characters. Some range attacks. Yeah, fighters are going to be good at dealing some dealing damage consistently because of the, all their attacks, and it's easy for them to get good AC. Um, and they have high hit points, high AC, and a high number of attacks. Those are basically their their strengths. Um, with probably if they're doing a battle master, some tricks up their sleeves. Um, but yeah, they they can't fly. That's a huge uh, huge deterrent to to. Wow to certain types of combats for them. Um, they certainly can't get around a lot of different types of magical protections. I mean, there's several uh, at every level. Uh, shield, level one, mirror image, blur, level two. Um, level four, you've got stone stone skin. Of course, you need to do something about that magical <laughs> magical weapon. Right. Um, mislead. There's immunity, spell immunity. There's a lot of, a lot of spell options um, that really make the the day for a fighter very difficult very easily yeah i i would say with with any any party if you've got that one person that just seems to just mop up every single time in combat um chances are you are using the same strategies over and over and over again as a dm yeah Yeah. you're you're making combats where they they get to shine encounter terrain um that and find out what other abilities your the other members of the party have to play to their strengths instead. It's it's hard to give any specific answer without specific exa- examples of what's in the party. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if you have any sort of caster, um, knowing what spells they have and making it a a challenge where certain spells need to be used to overcome is is definitely high on the list of ways to make the other character shine just make him fight a rust monster <laughs> and, and suddenly, or just a rust monster yeah doesn't <laughs> want to touch that thing with a 10 foot pole yeah uh, yeah um yeah think outside the box a little bit uh take a look at what you've been pitching at them and uh try throwing some different different encounters different encounters um i like this one because i i the first thing i thought of was grand theft auto um 
This comes from Countless C744 <laughs> and very just general questionnaire of how to not make an open world feel like it's fetch questy. And thinking back to like Grand Theft Auto or even uh, like yeah. Red Dead, it's like, oh, you got this huge world, but you're always <clears throat> coming back to the same place, which means ah. that you're spending a lot of time just either narrating like, and then you went back to your base. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, first of all, uh, don't make it so much about a base. I mean, there there should be more towns. Uh, maybe some of the the important things that they need to do, the quests that they're doing, are to get something specifically so, or someone to another town. Yeah. Um, and then from that town, they need to go elsewhere. Um, I mean, you could. You could still, I, I think the fetch quest is all about going and bringing something back to where yep. you came from. So varying it up um, so you're not just coming back to the same place because you need to get something somewhere else. And there's another hub of civilization there right. uh, where they can actually interact with, with new people and move on and find new interesting plot threads. That will be the first first big help. Yeah. I'm going to get really meta here. All, all right. Like as meta as you can get. All right. We, we live in an open world, and pretty much everything that we do is a fetch quest. <laughs> and we're all NPCs. Nah. <laughs> no, no thought, no nothing. We're just not programmed to do it. Yeah. Wait, think about it. Like Everything that we do is more or less a fetch quest, right? You need money, so you go to work. You mine something, and you bring it back. Yeah. You need something to eat, so you go to a grocery store or a fast food place. You get thing. You bring it back. <laughs> Blue my mind. Yeah. It's like <laughs> um so unless you are in a campaign that's going to drive you from point A to point B, uh I'm thinking Lord of the Rings right now, where it's like you gotta take the ring to Mordor. Okay. Yeah. So then you just go on this long adventure to go throw the throw a ring in a volcano. Um sounds less exciting than, <laughs> than <laughs> a little less there's yeah. a little little bit more more to it. There was some interesting uh Story and character development along yes, the way. Some potatoes. <laughs> um, the whole thing. The whole thing was there. Uh, so inevitably, if you have an open world, unless you are letting these characters really like change the world, like if you're not incentivizing them to like, hey, there's some different factions, and you can go become like the leaders of that faction or kill them all. Like. Um, inevitably your quests are going to boil down to like, we need things here, bring them to us. Right. Right. Yeah. And that works for like a, I mean, the whole bring things in works for uh, a little bit of a survival game, Mm -hmm. but you ultimately are going to make a campaign, not feel like it has just fetch quests by not making your quests, (laughs) fetch quests. Like don't, don't, don't make a, a quest where they ultimately have to come back to the same area in order to complete it. Um, just if you could, it's okay again to have some of that if there's a good end story reason for it. Um, but have the drive the story drive them elsewhere, like the the ring to Mordor, just as the as that archetypal example. Yeah, yeah. When you start talking open world, like how how free do you want your PCs to run amok? Right, because, also called sandbox. Yeah, right. I mean, at that point, it's like uh, the amount of shit that you have to have prepared on a regular basis. I mean, you want to talk about not having too many yeah. NPCs? <laughs> you like, have to have all the NPCs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just talking about one town. It's you're, 
yeah, you're you're dealing with multiple cities, multiple places. Right. Um, yeah. I, <sighs> I like the idea of open world. Yeah. Uh, I do, but I've also found it's uh, it is a it requires, like you said, a whole lot more yeah. work to do. Right. And all you every campaign that I've done, I started off wanting to do just open world, but it all honed in on what was important to the characters. Right. Um. So it's really good to have a good background so you know wherever the, the, the advantages of that type of campaign are. You know wherever the characters are going. You have a little something or, or a lot of something prepared for wherever they go. No. Um, but the characters usually want a motivation, right. I found. They, they want something that gives their characters purpose in that campaign world, and it's going to drive them in a specific direction. Um, so even when you make it open world, like I've, I've always wanted to, because I don't like the idea of railroad railroading the characters. Right. They are going to pick a direction. Yeah. Uh, generally. And, and unless, <clears throat> unless you don't, unless you make everything unless in your, you <laughs> unless you make everything fetch quest. Um, yeah. so, so really it's a matter of, of putting elements in the game that, that just aren't that, that have more meaning to them than just bring, bring object a back to point B. You know, that's, again, we're talking super meta right now, but you made a really good point. We have this huge open world. Like, if you wanted to right now, we could finish this podcast, and then you could go get a plane ticket to fly uh, anywhere that will would allow you. Theoretically. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just about. Um, you could literally do whatever the hell you want, but because you have these different motivations in real life and in game, that should be driving what your characters do. Um so, uh, Matt Colville, uh, again, a great resource on YouTube, uh, check his stuff out, but oh, yeah. he, uh, he's, he did, uh, I've, I've mentioned this before. He, he wrote for the, my favorite video game probably of all time, but I haven't played it in years is mercenaries. Oh. And his whole thing was, uh, open world. You can go wherever you want, do whatever you want to do. Uh, but his whole thing was, uh, if you create factions that have motivations, your characters will naturally align with what they think is right and what they want to do. Yeah. And from there, uh, whatever those parties are doing, whatever those factions are doing, like you want to help them along. So there's stuff to do. Uh, so from there, don't screw it up and make it a fetch quest. To your point. <laughs> uh, give them like, go take out this faction, go assassinate their leader, go, uh, you know, catch so-and-so and, uh, have him imprisoned. Like those are there's tons of other things that you can do, uh, as opposed to like we need potions. Uh, go collect <laughs> right. seven of these flowers. Right, and uh, you can make multiple steps required in that quest. Uh, obviously, like going to an ass- assassinate a leader or take someone out uh, doesn't have to be as simple as you go, you have a com and have a combat and it's and it's done with. Like you, you may need to run some recon on that. Uh, yeah. You may need to figure out like how to get into a particular area, which might require taking out certain characters and acquiring a certain key before you can get to that place. Right, right, right. I like it. So that is your your long answer to how to m- not make open world fetch questy. There you go. <laughs> because it is fetch questy by nature. Um, <coughs> last one here before we get to our wild card. All right. Uh, actually, I am incorrect, says... I want my party to meet a mysterious fortune teller on their first trip to a major town. 
they go on to ask like um you know what would be some cool ways to incorporate it, it's more of a um a novelty thing but okay. it could also very well tie into quest and other things like that yeah so mysterious fortune teller i think back to psycho mantis from metal gear you I, ever did, play- I didn't get to play that one it was so cool you so you get the psycho mantis and uh this is the original PlayStation, and if you had games that were produced by, I think it was Konami, and then maybe a couple other publishers, <laughs> uh, he would read your mind, quote-unquote, by <laughs> reading your uh, SD card that was in there, and then he would make comments about uh, the games that you were playing. Um, so like, if you had like the different fighting games that they had or whatever, it'd be like... Ah yes, I've seen that you fought many others to rise to the top in the tournament, like huh. that kind of stuff. I actually had Diablo on there, yeah, and he said something along the lines of like, "I see you've gone on many quests in a previous life to fight off a great evil." Like huh. it was kind of it was a novelty thing, yeah. right? But it, again, yeah. it's you want to talk about immersing your players in the world. <clears throat> it's yeah. pretty neat mechanic. So let's say you're you're supposed to go to a certain city to meet up with so-and-so to get your mission. And it's a long journey. You decide that you're going to stop at a tavern for the night. There's a fortune teller in the corner. How, how do you make this thing a memorable experience for your PCs? Uh, they're definitely going to remember back to the, uh, to that NPC. If, if you give vague notions about what is to come, obviously fortune teller, talking about fortune what's going to happen in the in the future um and you have to describe parts of a conflict without giving them a specific step that they have to take or a specific resolution uh one because you don't know how that's going to play out necessarily um but you talk about it as the threads of fate are moving the, the rivers of time are always flowing um but I but see. You must great. make a choice as to which yeah. one stops and which one goes. <laughs> right. Uh, or you can even describe like seeing like you know there's a particular uh NPC that they're likely to come into conflict with based on their current choices or their current quests, wherever they're going next. Um and you can vaguely describe that character and what sort of likely interaction they're going to have, whether it's adversarial or friendly. Um one you think will be a friend will turn out will turn out to be more than he seems, or one you think is even more interesting. One you think is a foe is more than he seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so they so they uh, are questioning. Wait, so someone that's going to be an antagonist is going to be more than he seems. Does that mean he's possibly an ally? Like, if they leave the fortune teller with many more questions that they had going in, then you've made it memorable and you've done your job. I like it. I like that idea of like talking about an NPC in a way that's going to have them a bit on the hook. Yes. So, for instance, you could say like the there will be an angel with golden hair that holds the key for your what your your journey. You get into town and there's a public hanging and there's a gal with golden hair that's up on to be uh, to be hung and it's like yeah uh <laughs> yeah um. <clears throat> Do we need to do something about this? I mean, that can give you some some really good dramatic moments where it's like, maybe she is and maybe she isn't. And you're not going to know until you interfere. Right. Like, that could be some really cool stuff. <clears throat> but yeah. you as a DM got to be prepared for either way. Yes. 
Yes, like, you do. She, to cl- you can never quite know for sure which direction your characters are going to go. Yeah, I mean, they might say, eh, it's too risky. And it's like, well, she literally has a key that you need. <laughs> like, you got to be able to find that key somewhere else. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, you go back to open world being fetch questy. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, I really like that idea, though. Um, I've never done anything quite like that other than doing, like, dream sequences. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that previously. Um, but messing around with stuff that's sort of outside the game but has everything to do with inside but using symbology and, and that sort of thing, um, I think that can make for some really cool moments. Um yeah, th- I agree. There was there was something about um, making prophecies. I think it was like the DMG two uh, back in third ed that had a whole guideline for making prophecies. And what I remember mostly on those is make them vague enough that they can be true by multiple different interpretations. Um, so it it you can't be specific. Like you will slay the blah. <laughs> like right. It um, and making it uh, cryptic as well as as vague where it uses symbology rather than direct description of of something like the crow flies at midnight might not be talking about a crow and it might not be talking about midnight um, but a metaphor for something dark or or something else that's flying entirely yeah um would also help kind of build clout with characters because you're inevitably going to have people in your group they're like oh they're full of crap or whatever right (laughs) right uh if you have someone that can step forward and whether you do the thing where they're like you know show me your palms or show me something that is important to you you know maybe there's a trinket or something that they've been carrying um probably should custom tailor that to the character if you know they have an item like that yeah um one of my pcs uh back in the day he had a uh, like a scarf from his uh, his wife that he had lost. He carried it with him everywhere, right? That was sort of like classic symbology. So I got a picture yeah. in this scenario like there's something you hold close to you, uh, one something from one that you love. Can you show me that? Like that would be a moment where you're like putting yeah. someone, and then have that quick moment where you're dealing with backstory, like. Um, you can you can touch on that, and obviously PC can react however they want. They might get pissed off that you're talking about their dead wife, or they might be like, "Oh my god, like, yeah, her spirit's still here," kind of thing. Um, but I think being able to tap into backstory as like uh, your proof of your clout uh, would be more powerful than just jumping into like uh, prophecy. Yeah, you, know, you got to establish it somehow. <clears throat> and you could even say, "Don't worry about the vase." And then they knock over a vase. There you go. <laughs> what vase? Yeah. Go, go a little matrix on them. <laughs> the Oracle. <laughs> yes, there is no spoon. Um, good. All right. Well, we are at that point, friends. We are down to our wild card question, which, of course, we go to our favorite subreddit, r slash teenagers, because it is just buck wild over there. Um, I don't know. I don't know uh, how to ask either of these questions or how to address either of them. I'm going to go with the safer of the two. All right. And there is offensive language in this. Oh, no. I apologize, but we're <laughs> going to try to put this into context. All right. Uh, Purple T wants to know, am I... Uh, I'm going to change the words here. Am I a pushover? Okay. Different word there. I, I see. Yes. 
I literally let someone a year younger than me bully me. What the fuck? <laughs> this next one, I, I have to say, she's a brave little bitch. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just think that's, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Uh, so, uh, am I a pushover? Someone a year younger than me. Uh, I let, I literally let someone a year younger than me bully me. What the hell? She's a brave little person. Wow. So she's referring to the bully as the brave person? This could be a he. Or the, the okay. Uh, yeah, it could be so. either. Uh, yeah, well, I have certainly been bullied by the opposite sex from time to time. I, that has yeah. That, that Especially happens. back in, you know, high school. Yeah. High school. When, when girls are everything to you and, yeah. The stakes are high. That. Right? <laughs> yeah. And you think that, like, being nice and letting them have their way is, like, going to earn you points somehow. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, uh, that's a good question. Why, why did you let them get their way? Um, she's, she's brave. Inherently bullies aren't brave. Bullies are actually generally cowardly people that prey on people that they perceive as weaker than them. Um, so was this actual bullying did they intimidate or threaten you to get what they wanted or did you just not like something but you didn't speak up when when they wanted their way here's the beauty of it yeah. in, in the dm academy which is where we get most of our questions yeah. uh they will expound upon it indefinitely like yeah. if you want to know like they will write pages and on pages <laughs> like a whole pdf file for you uh of everything that happened with this it's literally that's two it. sentences. Um, yeah. Uh, so I can I can picture a scenario back in call it junior high, high school, somewhere in there, where uh, you're going about your business and someone who's who's younger than you just goes off the handle and gets in your face about something, and everyone around you is like, "Oh my god, shit just mm. went down," and then they storm off, and you're left standing there like you're the jerk. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, I think ultimately the taking a step back from the situation, realize that, uh, it's easier to say in retrospect now. Uh, cause I, I dealt with stuff in, in school as well. You know, I, the issues with the police, um, it's not going to matter in a year or two. Mm. Um, it, it really won't. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot, I've seen, uh, people make apologies for, for how they acted um you you could just be the bigger person that knows it's better not to escalate a situation than than to end up in a a fight um where you end up suspended i mean if you have that that type of person who is brazen enough not necessarily brave but so <laughs> so brazen that they would they would try to extort something or push something out of out of someone even older than them, um, it's probably not wise to to engage. I mean, you're you don't want to end up getting a suspension or or worse because you you're the older person and you chose to engage. Um, that's like fighting someone that you know is obviously weaker than you, or you know, like it. You kind of like there's it's you've been put in a no win situation. No, either you. You look like you were too afraid, or you look like a the bully yourself for engaging 
And then, and I'm telling you that the better road to take is who cares what people think? Like what's best for you is to not engage. Yeah. Later in life, this will happen to you at a bar. <laughs> um, if you so choose. Yes. In high school or junior high, it's just people are dumb. There's hormones, everything else. Yeah. Uh, that continues on throughout life, but it is exacerbated in a public establishment such as a bar especially serving alcohol yes i had a situation years ago i was at an establishment and the guy sitting next to me is like you look familiar did you go to such and such school i'm like yeah he's like oh i'm so and so and i had no idea who this guy was (laughs) never for a small school too like i'm like i seriously he's like yeah man you guys used to bully me you you, this guy, that guy, he started naming off the football team. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I was the kid getting bullied back in the day. Huh. I was not on the football team. I started getting pretty bent out of shape over it, right? I'm like, no. and he's at the bar. He's like, yeah, man, you, you and so-and-so, and you made my life a living hell, this, that. He's going on. He's getting kind of loud. I'm like, finally... I got kind of meta, right? You want uh, to talk about getting meta? Yeah. I think this was, a, this was a, probably an appropriate time. Um, I said, listen, bud, I don't even remember who you are, but everyone you just named off, they picked on me and they made my life a hell, a uh, living hell. So I, I literally have no idea who you are, what you're talking about. Now, here's the deal. Uh, you can sit here and say whatever the hell you want. And when you can go home and think about how wrong you are, and it's going to keep you up at night. And you're going to think about this over and over again. For the rest of your life, this moment right now, because you're wrong. Now, I can either buy you a shot and we can be friends for the rest of the time, move on and put differences aside, or you can go on the rest of your life thinking about how wrong you are. <laughs> Every night when you go to sleep, you're going to remember this moment. Got in his head. Yeah. Yeah. He took the shot. And he did a shot with me. <laughs> and we were friends the rest of that day. There you go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's where having... Uh, that was a lot of fake confidence that I, I used <laughs> at that point. But to your point, though, like if you're not confident and you're weak and you let people walk all over you and you don't stand up for yourself, not saying you have to be violent, not saying you have right. to be physical. But right. in that moment, if you got some person that's in your face that's just being a bully for the sake of being a bully, say, hey, yeah, you got the upper hand right now. But later in life, you're going to realize how wrong you were to do this. And you're going to think about this moment, what I'm saying to you right now. And it's going to haunt you the rest of your life. And you're either going to build up a callus and continue to say that it was okay and you were justified to do it, or you're going to think back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And you're going to think about this every night. That's good. Have, make them think about the future and the, and the consequences yeah. of their actions. Yeah. Man, bringing it back to like D&D, think about consequences. Yes. Make them think about it. That's <laughs> how I live my life. What would I do if I was in D&D right now? Um, <laughs> I would spit acid all over their face. <laughs> uh, Reptile. Catch me on the right night. <laughs> probably could well friends uh, that's where we're gonna wrap up for this week uh check out advanced options over at the dms guild that's dmsguild.com just check out advanced options in the search bar there you can check out gerald's book um it can help you out with your game advancing your character to the next level uh also check out my stuff over at stevemessenger.art and of course everything's available at missandmystics.com Friends, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Myths and Mysteries. Mysteries.